Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the latest installment of Hey Horka on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. My name is Darren Pritchett from our WSBT Radio Studios in downtown South Bend. We've got Tyler Horka here, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. Of course, you know, blueandgold.com. And we are here to talk Notre Dame football on this Labor Day. And the hours put together a solid performance, as expected, rolling by Tennessee State 56-3 on Saturday to move their mark to 2-0, heading to Raleigh to take on a 1-0 North Carolina State team Saturday at noon. Well, Tyler, good to be with you. I think we could almost do this show from an emergency room as both of us are dealing with some colds <laughs> and coughing and hacking, but we'll do our best this afternoon to talk some Notre Dame football. Yeah, I don't know where yours came from, but for me, I think it was definitely getting back from Dublin. And uh, I, we did the show Tuesday night, right? And I don't know how I sounded. Uh, I went back and watched a little bit of it. I know I, I flubbed a answer to one of your jokes, but it got pretty you know, decent from there. Uh, I thought we sounded fine. And then Wednesday hit me and I was like, oh, this is the jet lag that people are talking about because I woke up Wednesday morning after that show and I really didn't know what day it was or where I was. Uh, Madrid, Dublin, where the heck was Tyler Horka that day? Uh, somehow got through a work day. And then Thursday, Friday, I woke up and the, the jet lag was gone, but I had some congestion and some stuffy nose. And I'm like, oh, so this is how the home opener is going to go for me. Yeah. Uh, I didn't bring my water over here. I should have, but um, I was sucking on cough drops in Marcus Freeman's press conference today. Uh, yesterday, I went to bed before that LSU Florida State game was even over just because I was like, it's going to be a long week ahead. I've got to travel again at the end of this week to go to Raleigh, North Carolina uh, for Notre Dame's first true road game of the season. So Went to bed early, feeling a little bit better today. I'm at that point where I think I'm going to feel good tomorrow. But, of course, Darren, here we are. We've got to do this today. And you mentioned Labor Day, too. In in five years, I graduated college in 2018. In five or six years doing this, I've come to know that if you work in sports, and especially college sports, you don't have a Labor Day. You are going to be working on uh, the first Monday in September. And here we are. I I'm happy to do this because, look, the, the comments are already fired up. We've got people talking, people wanting to talk about Notre Dame football. So let's do it. And by the way, last week the joke was about the friends you met in Dublin, Brian and Kelly. I will yeah. say Brian and Kelly had a better Sunday night than our old friend Brian Kelly did last night as LSU yes. got thumped by Florida State by what 23 points holy cow but yeah. here in South Bend Marcus Freeman right now is kind of the king of South Bend right now as his football team is 2-0 but 
I think we all understand that the competition level is now going to start revving up. They have taken care of two inferior opponents. But, Tyler, I don't think it would be lost in the shuffle. They dominated those two opponents. If they didn't do that, then we'd all be saying, well, gosh, how good is this team? So I don't think it can be lost to the fact they have taken care of business in dominant fashion. So that's the positive right now, other than worrying about who they played so far. Because, hey, the opponents are coming, and they're coming fast. Yeah, exactly. And Marcus Freeman said a little bit of that today. In his press conference, uh, he was asked directly about that, actually. He said, or he was asked, okay, it's Navy, it's Tennessee State. Like, how do you evaluate that? How do you evaluate 2-0? First of all, 2-0 is better than 0-2 at this point. Last year, Notre Dame was 0-2, and obviously they played Ohio State, but they had no business losing to Marshall, just like they had no business losing to Navy or Tennessee State. So once you get that 2-0 record, then you look at context and, and how it came to be, and... I mean, 42 to three, uh, 56 to three, you'll take that uh, no matter who you're playing, where you're playing. Uh, and Sam Hartman, obviously, is the story behind most of this. It's him being on the field for 12 drives, I think it is at this point. And he, he's led 10 touchdown or 11 touchdown drives, 11 of 12. And the only time that Notre Dame didn't score points, we're going to talk a whole lot about Sam Hartman, obviously, the if you see the title of this podcast if you're watching on youtube listening on apple or spotify we're going to talk a whole lot of sam hartman but you can't you can't say anything in the intro without mentioning sam hartman as well so the floor is elevated with him the ceiling is elevated with him but then you look at the fact that notre dame hasn't allowed a touchdown as well and, and that is a very encouraging thing even if it's against navy or tennessee state so once you get to that 2 and 0 record which notre dame probably knew it was going to have then you start looking at context and you have to really be nitpicking right now if you're going to say, hey, this is not looking good right now for Notre Dame. Well, hopefully some of our friends right now that are listening to our conversation on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel were in South Bend for the game and maybe took our advice and stopped by Augie's. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, let's get to Augie's locker room. This show is brought to you by Augie's locker room. And it's, it's a fantastic place to be for Notre Dame football season. When you go to South Bend – and you're in South Bend for a game, got to go to Augie's locker room. A wide selection of Notre Dame Stadium pieces, jerseys, helmets, autographs, one-of-a-kind Rockney items. You can find exclusive Joe Montana signed items and famous sculptor Jerry McKenna's replicas of the bronze statues around the stadium. Those are fantastic. I'm sure the replicas are fantastic as well. Augie gets new items like that all the time. If he doesn't have it in his store, he'll find it for you. Visit Augie at 1811 South Bend Avenue, which is literally a hop, skip, and a jump right away from Notre Dame's campus. And you can see the vintage helmet display dating back to 1890. He's got some amazing items that you want to see. So visit AugieLockerRoom.com or call him at 574-277-6363. Again, we're going to pump Augie's tires all the time on this podcast because – Fantastic place to be, and Notre Dame's only played one home game this season, so plenty more opportunities to visit Augie. Hey, Darren, you're going to have to unmute yourself there. because There we yeah. go. Sorry about there we that. Go. I'm just saying that probably Augie's right now is a happening place when the Irish are 2-0. and People get excited about this team, and I'm really curious to see what's going to happen the rest of September, there's a couple of really interesting ball games to get to, including this week against 
mm-hmm. North Carolina State. But let's go backwards for a moment, take our first question in our Hey Horka segment for today. And we remind you to subscribe to the Blue and Gold YouTube channel and also like this conversation. So the first question, Tyler, for you is this, how valuable is Sam Hartman how valuable is Sam Harmon to the Notre Dame quarterback room beyond 2023? That's from Juicy J. Yeah, shout out Juicy J, one of the more active guys on our message board. He's always talking Notre Dame football. Um, I think he's incredibly valuable, and I liked this question to lead things off because when you think rental quarterback, transfer portal quarterback, you're like, okay, we got this guy for a year. It is what it is. We're going to have to figure out something next year. The more and more I watch Sam Hartman interact with these teammates and interact with these quarterbacks in particular, Steve Angeli, Kenny Minchie, I'm like, holy cow, there there are some benefits to this beyond 2023. There are benefits to this beyond whatever Notre Dame has in Sam Hartman on the field for the next 10 regular season games, a bowl game, maybe even a college football playoff game. We'll see. I mean, I think people it's again, we talked about the, the quality of opponent not very high in those first couple of games, but it is more reasonable to talk about college football playoff with Notre Dame right now on September 4th than it was on August 25th, the day before they played Navy. So you have that in Sam Hartman, but then you also have a guy who is literally putting on a white penny, uh, a headset, a backwards hat, just like Steve Angeli wears during the games. And I don't know how much actual signaling he was doing for Steve Angeli and Kenny Minchie in the second half or whether it was some sort of act. But that act, even if it was an act, was still more than the next quarterback at whatever school is going to do. Like, he wanted to stay involved. He could have easily just gone to the 20-yard line and said, I'm going to cross my arms and watch the game from here, and I don't need to interact with all of these other people. But he did. I think that was telling – And then there's actually a quote that I'm going to read. Darren, I'll let you say anything that you want while I'm finding this quote, though. It was a question that I asked Jason Onye uh, in the postgame. But do do you get the same sense of some of the stuff that I was just saying that he's helping Steve Angeli and Kenny Minchie become starting caliber quarterbacks just with his presence? Uh, And this is all beyond X's and O's of what he might actually be teaching them in practices. You know, Tyler, as you were talking, the leadership he shows is quite impressive. And I think back to when Jimmy Clausen was here, he just did not have the traits to be a leader. It just was not in him. Now, from what I remember, it seemed like Charlie Weiss tried to teach him how to be a leader, but you either have those skills or you don't. And Sam Hartman comes across as a genuine young man He seems someone that has just totally adopted the Notre Dame foundation, the Notre Dame history just immediately. He appreciates being the quarterback here, and you can tell that he cares about his other quarterbacks. It's kind of funny on his Twitter X overhead picture, it's Kenny Minchie. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but the the little picture is Hartman, but the bigger picture when you go to his page is actually Kenny Minchie. So I think there is genuine – wanting to help these individuals get better. And he has so much experience. In fact, I think his experience against North Carolina State is going to come in very, very handy when you're trying to help your teammates understand this 3-3-5 defense that the Wolfpack have faced. And, and Sam's had his ups and downs against this defense. 
the last couple of years. Now he'll be with a better all-around team this go-around against NC State, but I think everyone has just really kind of fallen in love with this guy. He's earned the respect of the room, and when you have the room, you can deliver very strong messages to your football team. Absolutely. I'm showing the uh, Kenny Minchie Twitter header photo, whatever you want to call it, to our YouTube watchers right now. That's incredible, if you ask me. Like, and if you scroll a little bit down on this page, you'll you'll see these ads with like beats and stuff. He he could be advertising that in his header photo. He's not. He has Notre Dame's third string freshman quarterback as his Twitter header photo. That says all it needs to say about Sam Hartman. But um, I will say something else. This is the quote that I was talking to you about from Jason Anye. This is a question that I asked him post game, and, and basically the impetus of the question was. What does a guy like Sam Hartman do for this football team? You're a defensive tackle. Like, does he help you? Like, do you get the Sam Hartman mania that the offensive players are getting, the wide receivers, the offensive linemen? Like, they want to talk about Sam Hartman, and it makes sense for them too. What about, like, the rest of the locker room? And I asked Jason Anya that, and he said, quote, he's great. We all love him, the defense, the offense. He does a great job of interacting with us, talking to us. As a defensive player, I don't really need to be talking to Sam Harmon, but he just comes up and says, hey, good luck this game. Do this. Go kill him. That This is the quarterback. Everyone knows him. He has no reason to be talking to me, but he's showing me support and showing me that he cares. He does it for the whole team. That is why we started this podcast with that question, because it kind of just hit me. Um, I don't know if it was Sunday when I was writing post game, or um, – how about this photo for the article that I just wrote this um, that I just read that quote from here's the photo for it. Uh, that's Sam Hartman dancing with the cheerleaders after the game, trying to do a little Irish jig or whatever. And at some point he kind of just waved his arms off and was like, ah, I can't do this. I'm going to stop trying. But to your point, uh, Darren, I-, I wasn't here for Jimmy Clausen, but, I don't think you've got that with Jimmy Clausen. Uh, he's a different character, obviously. But how about this for an example? Jack Cohn. You didn't get that with Jack Cohn. You didn't get Jason Anye talking about Jack Cohn in that way, saying, this guy is everywhere in this locker room. He's helping us out tremendously. I couldn't imagine what this team is without Sam Hartman. I don't think anyone said that about Jack Cohn. He had a great year. Good year. Notre Dame won 11-1. and won. But if Notre Dame goes 11-1 and one and Sam Hartman is this charismatic guy that is helping the team beyond 2023, then I think Notre Dame literally struck gold in the transfer portal with this guy. There were a lot of transfer portal quarterbacks, Darren, but I think they probably took the best one for on and off the field purposes. Yeah, no question about it. And it's going to be really funny to watch the Colts on Sunday. Their quarterback is two years younger than Notre Dame's starting quarterback. Anthony Richardson's 22 years old. Sam Hartman is 24. And and since we're mentioning quarterbacks, let me just throw this in. I mentioned on my Sports Beat show last week, just thinking out loud, I would love to see the coaching staff put Angeli in the game, if the game's under control in the second quarter, to make sure he's with first unit offensive line and the best skill position players. Well, they ended up doing that at the start of the third quarter. And, And what a valuable experience for Steve. As you talked about, Sam was there helping him along the way, but that was very, very promising from heard about this guy from the leader of the Mike Singer fan club of, of Steve Angeli, Mike himself, 
couple of years ago. And, you know, Steve really looks the part, very impressed. The Irish backup quarterback position is in very solid hands this year, which is something that should be the case at Notre Dame every year. But, man, you think back toward the end of the, the Kelly administration, there were some holes on the depth chart. Yeah, and I don't want to pump my own tires here, toot my own horn, but I think it was either on your show or maybe one of these other YouTube shows before Hey Horka was even a thing, which we're over a uh, hundred concurrent live streamers right now at 315 on Labor Day. So I want to thank you guys all for being here. Like this video, subscribe to the channel. I think Hey Horka is just getting started, but it was something I said on one of these shows where uh, and it was just watching Steve Angeli and Kenny Minchie in fall camp. I felt that the Notre Dame backup quarterback situation right at that moment and going into 2023 was in a much better place than it was last year with Drew Pine as a junior and Steve Angeli as a true freshman. And this is coming from a guy that I kind of built Drew Pine up a little bit. And I said, hey, you have to, in context, understand that he's trying all he can do to win Notre Dame football games. And in the end, he went eight and two. That was pretty good. But just watching Angeli and watching Minchie, Notre Dame's whole entire quarterback situation right now is in a better spot than it was uh, a year ago at this time. And that's development. That's that's coaching. That's Sam Hartman being here, uh, elevating those guys. That's Notre Dame, uh, Gino Gadouli, Jared Parker wanting that room to be elite because you can't win national championships if that room is not elite. Okay, let's move along to our next question, Tyler. And this comes from Aerofan624. Does Notre Dame need more tempo in its offense after what we saw in the last minute versus Tennessee State? Okay, I, I, I want to preface this by saying that drive was fantastic. I've, uh, I think I can probably put this up on the screen for the YouTube watchers um, and just kind of show them what happened in that drive. Um, so what do you have Sam Hartman going? Um, what is that? I, I guess you can read that. I don't know. Sam Hartman completes a three yard pass, then an 18 yard pass, then an 18 yard pass, then a 13 yard pass, then a 24 yard pass, and then a four yard touchdown to Holden stays. I mean, that is surgical. That's four straight passes to tight ends. I believe it was, or three of four, um, because Mitchell Evans, caught every single one of he got the 18 yard pass he caught the 18 yard pass he caught the 13 yard pass and I think that was kind of the the big like wow moment for me is because a Notre Dame tight end hadn't caught a, a single pass this season until that point and then all of a sudden you need to go down the field in a minute and you find Mitchell Evans three times in a row and then you find Holden stays for the touchdown so it brings up Errol fans question if you do this more often, can the tight ends get involved a little bit more? Can Jaden Greathouse have the 24-yard pass that he caught on that drive a little more often? My answer to this, Darren, and I want to get your thoughts as well. <clears throat> There's the coughing that I was mentioning earlier. Um, if you do it more often, does that diminish the value of it? Does that like, is it make it harder to do it? Like, if this was Notre Dame's base offense and they were going go, go, go all the time, I think you would see a lot of three and outs. I think you would see a lot of incompletions. It just so happened that Notre Dame was playing Tennessee State and these guys were getting open against Tennessee State defenders. I think it can work in the middle of the first quarter or in the middle of the second quarter, whatever it is. Um, 
And that's a thing that Jared Parker and Marcus Freeman have both said is they want to use tempo, but they want to use varying tempo and go fast at some point and then slow it down and, and really confuse the defense in that way. So I don't think Notre Dame is best suited to go fast 60% of the time, 70% of the time. It was working going slow. If, if you consider what Notre Dame was doing uh, before that particular drive slow, it was working. What are your thoughts, Darren? The first thing that comes to mind for me, I like to go tempo when we're talking outside of an end of a half, when maybe the offense is scuffling. If you can't get any rhythm, maybe try to find some rhythm by doing that. But I don't think going tempo often is a great thing for Notre Dame. Look at all the different packages that they have. Look at all the different personnel you're bringing in and out of the game. So if you're bringing in constant changes to the running back and the wide receiver, the defense is going to be allowed the opportunity to change their 11 players. That's when, was it the umpire? Someone comes in over the ball and, and holds the snap, letting the defense change. So I think it's kind of counterproductive just considering how much Notre Dame wants to use different packages and try to, I guess, use the best elements of each player in certain situations, I, I just think that kind of takes away from that. So I only like to see it if you just need to get something going rhythm-wise or if you're at the end of the half. I like what Notre Dame's doing. I wouldn't change anything. Yeah, and that goes to uh, Mike Hansen. Thank you for the comment live on YouTube. Tempo for two-minute drive or to capitalize off a turnover. I kind of like that. We haven't really seen an, an opportunity where Notre Dame – gets the ball like at midfield after a pick or something. I know um, they had the Ramon Henderson pick. I uh, can't remember exactly what happened immediately after that drive, but in a big game. Yeah. If you get the ball when you're not expecting to get the ball and all of a sudden Clemson's defense is running onto the field or NC state's defense is running onto the field and you hit them quick um, with some tempo. I like that, but yeah, it's not time to be a prisoner of the moment and say, hey, Notre Dame scored in 38 seconds on six plays, went 80 yards to do it. Let's do that all the time. Keep that card close to the vest and say we're, we're going to use it only when necessary. It's kind of like the um, the almighty card that you only use in certain situations, right? You want to keep that in your hand. Don't put it on the table and then have it not work. And then all of a sudden uh, the, the blueprint is out on how to stop it, whatever it is. Again, uh, I'll finish this conversation by saying what I said at the start of it. I think if you use it too much, um, one, Darren, you, you can't get the personnel on the field that you want to, which you were talking about. And two, you run the risk of just kind of muddling what you already had going. Like that was Hartman's 12th drive of the season, and it was an 11th touchdown. That means he was 10 of 11 before that without needing to speed it up and go fast and whatnot. To me, I think it's just a good thing for Notre Dame to have in the back pocket, to have a quarterback where the coach can say, hey, I'm going to call two timeouts while these guys are trying to get a field goal um, instead of having the, you know, there were a lot of teams and maybe even Notre Dame was one of these teams last year where they would have been content with the half ending on a field goal try from Tennessee State and saying, all right, we'll take 28 to three or 28 to six. This year, Notre Dame is a team that says timeout, timeout. Let's get number 10 on the field and go get seven points going the other way in a minute. Keep that card in your back pocket. You don't need to use it all the time. 
I remember at the game when Notre Dame was getting the ball back for that final drive of the first half, WHME's Chuck Freebie was sitting next to me. He's like, are you thinking seven or three? I go, I'm thinking seven. You got to be thinking seven right now with the way Sam can move the ball down the field, the way he distributes the ball with his experience. I mean, you got to think seven at that point. And if I'm not, I wasn't, what's that? I I, I don't want to cut you off, but I I wasn't even uh, thinking seven. I was expecting seven. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. No, there's no doubt about it. Very, very good point. And by the way, Drew's got a good play call. He said in the comments section, Jamison Triple will take care of that cough. Have you experimented with that yet? I don't know if uh, Drew, and thank you again for the uh, the chat there, Drew, live on YouTube, was here for the beginning. But I have this cough literally because I was in Dublin. So the irony in that is I got a bottle of Jameson in Dublin that could probably take care of it. Um, to answer your question, Darren, yes, I have. Uh, I broke it out Thursday night of last week. Um, I'm in a whole bunch of fantasy football leagues. That's another conversation for another day or no day. We don't need to talk about our fantasy football teams, but this is a, if anyone saw me in um, January of last year, end of uh, December, and I had a completely bald head, I think I even came on this YouTube channel with a bald head. It's because I lost that fantasy football league and we were doing our draft that night, uh, Thursday night. And I got the first pick and I took Justin Jefferson. Please stay healthy. So my head, so hair can stay on my head. But I think Justin Jefferson is a good pick. And I had some other good picks. And I said, you know what? This co- this is a reason for celebration. Good drafts. I'm going to have my first. And I, I mean, I poured it real small because I don't want that thing to run out. But yes, I have had one glass of that Jamison triple triple. And it was just as you expected. Oh, oh it was yeah. fantastic. I can't wait for my next one, which I didn't think I'd have two drinks in two weeks. But Sunday's my birthday, so maybe when I get home from Carolina, Cowboys play the Giants on Sunday night football. I'll probably dip back into it. One more small glass. You may have to if the Giants start throwing some Danny Dimes that are affected. Be careful. Okay, question number three today in Hey Horka. This comes from Arrowfan624. How concerned are you about the Notre Dame defensive line letting quarterbacks escape the pocket? Yeah, shout out to Arrowfan again. Um, he deserves two of these questions in this thing because he's always on there, always asking questions. A very good contributor. I'm a little concerned, and it's not really a lot of concern in any one particular player. It's a concern in one particular thing, and obviously that was letting these guys escape. But it seemed like everyone was losing outside contain on – in instances where they couldn't lose outside contain. Um, I'll do a little spoiler here. Uh, check on Tuesday. I'm doing an article on Notre Dame's Aztec package and what that looked like against Tennessee state, because they were really heavy with it on third down and Tennessee state converted four uh, third downs. And it was because you had Maris Leofau as a primary rusher with the Aztec, because you needed another guy in the box with six defensive backs deep. So he put Maris Leofau up there. He put Jordan Botello up there. Um, and they would rush the quarterback and they would just lose that outside contain and, or they would over pursue or they wouldn't, you know, hedge to the outside enough. And yeah, the, the quarterback kept shooting to the outside where he didn't make a whole lot of plays out there because it was Tennessee state. But for example, uh, a guy that likes to run in Brennan Armstrong of NC state, if you let him do that, 
he will either dice you up downfield or he can run himself and maybe third and six becomes a 14 yard game on the feet of Brennan Armstrong. So to answer the question, yeah, I am a little bit concerned um, because you do have some mobile quarterbacks coming up. Uh, Ryan Day mentioned that both of those guys who are playing for him, I know Ohio State didn't look great offensively in week one, but those are five-star guys they can move. Caleb Williams is a Heisman Trophy runner. He can move. You saw what he did to Notre Dame last year when you didn't get him on the ground, albeit there were some holding calls in there that probably didn't go Notre Dame's way. But uh, again, that's another conversation for another day as well. But yeah, you can't have two quarterbacks for Tennessee State. Um, obviously, they don't have a guy if they're rotating quarterbacks get outside on you and even have the the threat or the possibility of making plays. I don't know if you saw it the same way, Darren, but it seemed like that was happening a little too much. No, I agree with you. Great assessment. And let's remind the people watching this that Brendan Armstrong, the NC State quarterback, he was a big part of their running game against Connecticut last week. Armstrong had 19 carries for 96 yards and two touchdowns. Now they had 209 yards as a group, 46 carries, but you take out Armstrong's numbers and they were kind of, you know, average, I would say, running the football. So he's, he's going to be a major problem. In fact, I think in that game, I was more concerned about Armstrong running than throwing. I didn't think he was yeah. as efficient throwing the ball than two years ago when he had that 4,000 yard passing season at Virginia, I know there's a lot of talk about being reunited with his offensive coordinator back then at Virginia. And now here they are back together. But I was I was honestly a little disappointed in Armstrong throwing the football against Connecticut. And I think it is 100% fair to say that the level of competition Armstrong will face, in particular in the secondary, will be a major challenge for him in this football game, but that leads right into what you were talking about containment. Armstrong is going to hurt you kind of like, Oh, uh, I guess the way that um, gosh, I'm losing my train of thought, but our old quarterback Ian Buck used to do would mm -hmm. get outside the pocket and there wouldn't be containment. He'd take off for 20 yards. Armstrong could do the same type of thing on Saturday. And the last thing that you want, if you're Notre Dame is because I agree with you, Darren, I don't think that NC State passing attack looked very good. The last thing you want is to go to NC State, which Sam Hartman has been there a couple times, and he spoke to the rowdiness of that environment. Uh, Marcus Freeman actually played there back when he was at Ohio State. He told us today, I didn't realize that um, in 2004, I think it was, I didn't look up what happened in that game. I would imagine Ohio State took care of the Wolfpack, but – he said it was also a crazy environment. So the last thing that you want is to play a team that let's agree Notre Dame is superior, especially offensively. It should be able to score the outscore this NC State team. The last thing you want is an NC State team that doesn't have the weapons to keep up with Notre Dame to stay in the ball game because you're letting Brennan Armstrong do Brennan Armstrong things. Like, I don't know if any casual Notre Dame fans watching this right now could name one NC State receiver. Their best one might be a transfer in from Rice, Bradley Rosner, who was on the Bolitnikoff uh, award watch list. So he probably didn't know that name. You're not going to see a whole guys that you a whole lot of guys that you recognize, but you do know Brennan Armstrong. You do know that he can hurt you with his feet. 
And if this Notre Dame defensive line does not contain him on Saturday, then you're just inviting a headache that you didn't need because on paper with the athletes Notre Dame has, the athletes that NC State might not have, Notre Dame should be able to do uh, a good number on this NC State offense. But as soon as you let this quarterback do some unscripted things, then you have an unscripted game and you're playing on the road in a crazy atmosphere, tr first true road game of the season. Things can get out of hand for you. It, it kind of reminds me, Darren, of 2021 when Tyler Buckner played a whole lot in that Virginia Tech game. And Virginia Tech might have played multiple quarterbacks, but they did bring in this guy. I forget his name. Maybe it was like Burmeister or something. Burmeister. Inconsequential what his name was, but he came in and he was able to use his feet a little bit. And all of a sudden, if you're Notre Dame, you're thinking, oh, gosh, a game that we should have handily under control. This quarterback's starting to make it a goofy one. You, you don't want that situation because guess what? Brennan Armstrong is better than whatever that guy at Virginia Tech. Uh, his name I can't recall. So, yeah, going back to the question, it's a little concerning if this Notre Dame defensive line doesn't do a number on Bren, uh, Brennan Armstrong and NC State. Rosner only had one catch for 14 yards against Connecticut, so not a big impact right off the yeah. bat. And speaking of lack of impact, Marvin Harrison Jr., two catches for 18 yards against Indiana, and Amika Egwuka, three catches for 16 yards in a day in which Kyle McCord went 20 of 33, 239, no touchdowns, an interception, and a struggle win over the Indiana Hoosiers. That was the game of all the Notre Dame opponents that caught my attention. I taped it. I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but holy Toledo, how can those two guys combine for five catches? Stunning. That was the one where I got home from the Notre Dame Stadium press box and turned on the TV, sat down right here at my desk and said, all right, I've got a long, long night of working to put uh, this bad boy together, which, by the way, shameless plug – Nobody is, is doing what Blue and Gold Illustrated does, puts out a 56-page magazine that literally has all kinds of game recap um, within 12, I don't know, within 24 hours of the game ending. This thing goes out. I walked into the uh, Blue and Gold office today. They were waiting for me. I get to have the, you know, the fruits of my labor on this Labor Day in my hand. Anyway, besides the point, sitting down to um, – to work on that magazine and I, I turn on the TV and that's the score that caught my attention or they were doing the halftime replay. I don't know what game I was watching. I think it was North Carolina, South Carolina, and they show the Ohio state highlights. If you will, I don't know if I would call them that at the point that I saw, because I think it was, it's like 21 to three at some point in the second half or right around halftime. And you were thinking blowout, like Ohio state usually makes those statements early in the season and says, Hey, we've got another quarterback that can do what Justin Fields did and Dwayne Haskins and uh, JT Barrett. We got another one of those guys. I didn't get that sense there. And I didn't get that Kyle McCord was like, Hey, we've got the next CJ Stroud. Well, I know the Columbus dispatch reported that Harrison jr. Briefly exited the game with an apparent injury to his left arm or shoulder. He was grimacing and it came back, but that's something also to watch. Not to jump ahead a couple of weeks, but <laughs> let's face it, we're not players and coaches, so we can jump ahead a little bit like that.
Hey, why don't we stop our proceedings just for a second? And well, I was going to say we're both becoming older men, but only one of us is truly <laughs> getting old at this point. And when you get to my age, skin care is something that we have to take very, very seriously. So you've got a pretty good suggestion. Absolutely. I'm going to pop it on the screen for the YouTube watchers right now, a little gift that they provided us with, which is pretty cool. So if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, you're not privy to that. You'll have to go check out Blue and Gold Illustrated's YouTube page. But gentlemen, first impressions matter. And if you're not taking care of your skin, people will notice, especially as you get older. Yes, fellas, I'm talking to you. Lucky for you, it's not hard. You don't have you just don't have the right tools. That's where Caldera Lab comes in. Their products reduce the visibility of wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. Show your skin who's boss and make a great first impression with Caldera Lab. Darren, we actually got some Caldera Lab for ourselves. Um, I've used skincare products like this before, but I hear Caldera Lab is, is top notch. I'm going to get started on my regimen this week. Uh, and I, I can tell you guys a little bit about that regimen. I think it's a three-step uh, process here. Uh, yeah, and they, they literally call it the regimen. So it's a twice-a-day routine with, uh, to transform your skin. The clean slate, that is your cleanser, leaves your face leaving all types of re uh, refreshed. The base layer is a daily moisturizer, hydrates your skin. I don't know if you it's Labor Day. Maybe you're out at the pool. You're out at the beach. You're getting a little suntan going on. Obviously, the sun is a little harmful for your skin. Put your base layer on. Put your moisturizer on. And then the good is your multifunctional serum at night that helps you reduce those wrinkles tightens up your skin, leaves your skin looking smoother. So Darren, like you said, I'm 28 years old. Um, if I can use this, I'm pretty sure you can use it and maybe benefit a little bit more from it. But uh, this is the debut of a new sponsor. And I think that this is uh, look, I'll say this one thing. It's football season. If you're going to tailgates, if you're going to football games, you're going to see a lot of people at these things. If you use this for a couple of weeks, say before the Ohio State game, I think we got like 19 days until the Ohio State game. If you get some Caldera Lab going on the skin, you show up to Ohio State, I guarantee you there will be some people saying, what are you doing to your skin? Why does it look so good? Two words, Caldera Lab. I just got my supply in the mail, so I thank Caldera Lab for giving me the opportunity to use their products, and I'm going to start using it this week, and we'll see what happens. I can look even younger than by golly, I'm going to take it. So hey, we've got uh, we've got Mike Singer in the chat now, and I just have to put this up from Eric Ooh. Takaki. Singer needs to use it. Singer, uh, let us know if you've got your Caldera Lab, and then uh, for the Wednesday night show with with Tim Hyde, maybe you could start doing the Caldera Lab ad reads. I don't know if it's on your docket for this week, but maybe it should be. Well, hopefully you don't lose your fantasy football league this year because if you have to go bald again, you might have to use a little bit of that Caldera on, the lab lab as well. on the dome. Yeah, you're right. Hey, but maybe the Caldera Lab will work so well that if I do lose all the hair, nobody's looking at it this time. Right. I just look at my, my face and say, hey, what are you doing to your face? Without even noticing that I don't have one follicle of hair sprouting through the top of my head. That was – that was embarrassing last year. And that's the point of it. That's why we put it in the league. Uh, if you lose your fantasy football league, you should be embarrassed. I, I do want to say, though, I, I have won that league before as well. So that was everyone in the league's chance to get back at me. And they did. 
Rightfully so. Well, hey, injuries can affect the outcome of a Jonathan Taylor. Anyone that's in Indiana watching this, I took Jonathan Taylor. That should tell you everything about why my fantasy football season went the way it did. Trust me, I had Cooper Cup, Javante Williams. I mean, it was a disaster last year. I tell you what, once we start using Caldera Lab, if we can borrow Marcus Freeman's sport coat from his Monday press conference, man, we are going to look fly. Is that cool to Marcus, say? Look fly? Yeah, look fly. He, he did. I, I tweeted. Um, you know what? I might as well put this out there right now. Okay. I, I tweeted. Um, Marcus Freeman was literally the only person in the room that could be rocking this suit because uh, let's get it up here now. Look at that jacket. I don't even know what color that is. Is that a, a turquoise, an aqua? Um, yeah, Marcus has the drip is what Drew just said in the chat. He's got the drip. I mean, he's in a room with a bunch of reporters there. And look at the way we're dressed right now. We wear golf polos pretty much every single day if the weather allows it. And then we'll transition into our quarter zips that we wear in the winter with a, with a jacket. Um, Marcus Freeman's not wearing golf polos and quarter zips. He's He's got the full – package in that in that wardrobe if i had guns like marcus i would never wear <laughs> anything except the stuff that he wears man he looks like the I mean, dolphins head coach actually with that color suit on right? yeah was like, again it was like the teal it was the aqua yeah. whatever it is it it works it's it's like mint green it's not notre dame green but it's mint green marcus freeman can wear whatever he wants and the last thing i'll say about this uh before we get out of the ad talk and whatnot he probably doesn't even need to use Caldera Lab either, right? Like, he, he he's a genuinely good-looking guy. If you did a, a power ranking of who are your best FBS coaches, he'd probably rank towards the top. This is coming from one guy who's comfortable with his masculinity. Speaking about another, good-looking guy, good-looking wardrobe. Um, but maybe if he did use Caldera Lab to the top. Anyway. Very good. All right. This is the Hey Horka live show on Labor Day as we – Look back at Notre Dame's win over Tennessee State. I'm Darren Pritchett from WSBT Radio in South Bend. He's Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. We'd love for you to like this particular conversation. Subscribe to the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. Now back to the questions for Hey Horka. Next up from Nighthawk IndyFan69. What is your opinion on Urban Meyer's comments about Notre Dame's quarterback recruiting and development. I'll say this. I've not had the chance to go back and listen to them. So I will listen to your comments in regard to this and maybe jump in afterwards. Well, let's start with a couple quotes then uh, from Urban Meyer. This was last week, uh, but it was after Hey Horka. So if it's been talked about at blueandgold.com before, there is an article up. I'm going to read from that right now. Just know that it is something that people are talking about. and. Uh, I, I, I kind of agree with what he's about to say here, but, but, but again, let me tell you that that doesn't mean that I have to agree with it moving forward. So this is what he said, uh, via, via urban's take with Tim may, I am still amazed that Notre Dame's got to go to wake forest to get a transfer quarterback. That doesn't equate to me. Now he's a great player, but Notre Dame's got to go recruit them a five-star and they should have one, two and three excellent quarterbacks because it's Notre Dame, Ohio State and those top blue blue blood teams, you should be in the mix on top at quarterback. You should be in the mix on every top quarterback in America in terms of recruiting. 
to get them. So that was the the bulk of the quote. Um, and then he kind of he had a little add on. You go recruit the best quarterback in the country, develop them, let them play for two years and go be a first round draft pick for them to go where they have to get. That has to happen. So this is nuanced. Um, I agree with him. Honestly, Notre Dame should be getting top tier quarterbacks, should be developing top tier quarterbacks. You want Notre Dame to be one of those factories that's pumping quarterbacks into the NFL regularly, like after three years, like Urban Meyer said, not just, hey, Ian Book got drafted in the fifth or sixth round or whatever it was. That's different from, hey, Bryce Young is the number one overall pick out of Alabama. CJ Stroud's the number two overall pick out of Alabama. Alabama and Ohio State, those are out of Ohio State with CJ Stroud, excuse me. Alabama and Ohio State are different animals. They've been doing this quarterback thing for a while. But there was a point in time when Nick Saban said, you know what? Because uh, Ohio State was on it first with some of those guys. And they lost to Ohio State in the college football playoff. And I think Nick Saban said, I need some guys like that who can really get it done at this level. And over the last 10 years, they've done that. They have however many national championships that they do at Alabama. Uh, Ohio State hasn't won a national championship in about a decade now, but you would still love to have Justin Fields, C.J. Stroud, all of these guys that have come through. Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace. He was awesome at Ohio State, and he got a shot in the NFL. Joe Burrow, they couldn't even use. <laughs> Joe Burrow, they, I, when I was writing this article at blueandgold.com, I was going back and looking through the years, and I saw Joe Burrow had like two touchdown passes in garbage time at Ohio State, and I was like, yeah, that, there's another example of that. This guy has to go somewhere else and uh, do his thing because they've got so many quarterbacks. So I agree with them. Uh, I, I think, and, and here's where you can kind of spin the conversation. I know there are a lot of people, Tim Hyde, I mentioned him earlier. He's not one of them, uh, or he is one of them, that thinks that Steve Angeli can't be like that. And I probably agree that Steve Angeli's not Bryce Young. He's not CJ Stroud. He wasn't one of those types of recruits, right? But maybe Steve Angeli is the bridge to CJ Carr, who is the number six, I think, quarterback in the country per the on three industry ranking. Maybe Steve Angeli is like a one to two year gap or, or just a one year gap of, of CJ Carr starting for two years. Like say Steve Angeli starts in 2024 and he's good. Notre Dame wins 10 or 11 games with him. But then all of a sudden you notice that CJ Carr is better and you're like, let's start him as a sophomore and he's really good. And then really, really good in 2025 as a junior. And he goes to the NFL with his history and lineage of, of football in that family. He's gone. Maybe Notre Dame could start doing that right now. Like the urban laid the blueprint, the blueprint at Ohio state for what Notre teams like Notre Dame should be doing. Notre Dame just hasn't done it yet. Darren, do you think that, you know, this is the start of maybe them getting there. I do. Well, ever since Marcus got to the big seat, you could tell the quarterback recruiting had changed. My biggest complaint sitting there for years was this. I don't understand how with the Notre Dame brand, with the Notre Dame history, with how important the Notre Dame quarterback position is in college football. Everybody knows who the Notre Dame quarterback is, how the Irish could not bring in elite talent. 
Brian Kelly's offenses were good for quarterbacks. I mean, yeah, he wanted to run the football, but most teams do want to be able to run the football. So I didn't get it. And the frustrating thing, the last few years, and I apologize to Mike Singer, I bitched at him so many times about what was going on in recruiting. And we're on the internet, so I can say bitch, right? I can't on my radio show. But Tommy Reese just was a classic settler to me. And my big analogy is this. Remember the movie Moneyball? And all the scouts are sitting around the table and Brad Pitt's characters talking to them. And one of the individuals said something to the effect of, you can tell how confident a player is by how pretty his girlfriend is. Well, that's kind of how I felt about the Notre Dame situation. Notre Dame never got the hot girl. They just kind of settled for that number six or number seven. When you're Notre Dame, you should be able to get a 10. And that's what I'm talking about, the quarterback position. Tommy Reese under Marcus Freeman, that combination brought in Sam Hartman and C.J. Carr. That's what I've been waiting for. And, Tyler, I'm not going to give away someone else's story, but it's amazing. You think about all of the quality quarterbacks that the Irish will face this year. Go back and look at how many guys were even offered by Notre Dame. You would be stunned. I mean, Tyler, J.J. McCarthy, I was told, had Notre Dame posters in his bedroom. Tommy Reese never offered him. How do you miss on that? I mean, Drew Pine is a good backup for a Power 5 team. Maybe he could be a starting quarterback in the MAC, But in a Power 5, I don't think he's a starting quarterback. Tyler Buckner, I think the Alabama media kind of feels the same way when they talk about Tyler. Well, he's good, but... There was always a but, you know, with Tyler. I think he can be good, but. So there's just been too many outstanding quarterbacks that Notre Dame didn't even sniff. While Gino Gadouli right now, this recruiting cycle coming up, he's going after the big fish. That's all you can ask for, Tyler. You're not going to get everybody. But this brand, I don't understand how the quarterback position has gotten to the point where you have to constantly recycle someone. Now, let me say this really quick, and I'll let you get back on here. But at times, if you have the chance to add a great quarterback, you do it. Oklahoma took Jalen Hurts. He won the Heisman Trophy. Now, different circumstance. The head coach went from Oklahoma to USC, but Caleb Williams, USC took him. And so, yeah, there are times to fill a gap, or if there's just a player too good to be true, you take him. But it would be nice if we start a cycle of C.J. Carr and this guy and that guy, and you just have the heir apparent ready to go. If you can do that eight out of 10 years, man, that would be such a big improvement. But I'm just I'm just kind of tired of settling, and I'm glad this coaching staff refuses to settle for just a six or a seven. Marcus Freeman wants tens. I think he wants supermodels at all positions, and thank goodness that philosophy has finally arrived in South Bend. What job security depends on? I mean, if Marcus Freeman wants to be the head coach at the University of Notre Dame for as long as he wants to and for as long as these fans want him to, you're going to have to have elite quarterback play at some point. And it's got to be more than just one year with Sam Hartman. We talked about how much Sam Hartman is going to be helping Notre Dame in the future. Just his presence this one year. I think Steve Angeli is getting better. Kenny Minch is getting better. But the fact of the matter is you only have him on the field for one year. And 
you can't keep taking the risk that you're going to get a Sam Hartman in the transfer portal. He's one of a kind. Go read my article at blueandgold.com about him. Again, I mentioned dancing with the cheerleaders, shaking Jason Onye's hand in the post-game press conference room. This is a 294-pound defensive tackle in Onye who's going out of his way to shake Hartman's hand and then basically saying, go get him up there on the press conference uh, stage. Like, he's a different dude. You're not going to get that in the transfer portal every year. You didn't get that with Jack Cohn. Uh, so two out of the last three years, you've taken transfer portal quarterbacks. You struck gold this year, and Cohn was good. Again, I mentioned 11-1, Fiesta Bowl, uh, like 3,000, 3,500 yards, whatever it was. Good season. But don't you want that to be the norm with guys that you home grow and you recruit and he's putting on your hat on signing day? Uh, like CJ Carr. Like if CJ Carr eventually got to Sam Hartman's superstar status at Notre Dame – I think it would feel even different than this year because this year it's like, I think Notre Dame fans feel like they kind of just like stole this guy out of thin air and they just want to parade around him for as long as they can with CJ Carr. It can be like Arch Manning at Texas or even Quinn Ewers at Texas right now. Or um, I don't know who else is a homegrown guy, Darren in college football right now that I know we watched a, a transfer quarterback last night and Jaden Daniels, you have, transfer quarterbacks and like Michael Penix and Bo Nix and all these guys. So it, I think there was a, a stat where like over half or around half of the starting quarterbacks in the FBS this year are, are transfers, which is crazy. So it happens, but you only have a select few of the, the Caleb Williams, the Penix, the Hartman, like you're going to have to home grow a guy at some point. Anybody come to mind that's homegrown, Darren? Well, JJ McCarthy at Michigan. JJ McCarthy. Yeah, exactly. They're out of town to get McCarthy the full-time gig. And Max Duggan at TCU, did they sign him last? Like, I know he was a senior or whatever, and he's off to the NFL, but, like, was he homegrown? I, I can't remember. I'll, I'll have to look that up right now. But, like, it's guys like that who, at the end of their career, take you to the point of where you want to go. Uh, Notre Dame needs that. Like, it can't go into it because in 2021 with Cone, that was a college football playoff the schedule certainly set up for it. And then you had Kyle Hamilton, you had Kyron Williams, you had uh, some really good um, offensive linemen, defensive linemen. Like there was potential for the playoff there, but your lone hope was like, okay, let's bring in this guy from Wisconsin and hope he's the one that can get us there. And ultimately he was benched in the one game that Notre Dame lost that year. The reason that they were at home for the playoff it's because Drew Pine had to come in and try to lead a comeback victory against Cincinnati. Like you can't be at a point where your quarterback is being taken out of one of your biggest games of the season. Everything was riding on that game for Notre Dame that year because it was number seven Cincinnati in Notre Dame. Cincinnati ends up going to the college football playoff and you had to pull your quarterback because he wasn't playing well. Like you hope that's not the case for Steve Angeli, Kenny Minchie, CJ Carr. Like if CJ Carr is getting pulled from a game in 2025, that's that that is the opposite of what we're talking about here, Darren. Right? Like where we want Notre Dame to get with this. By the way, Max Duggan was all four years at TCU. So there you go. Okay. Go. Urban stirring the pot. What a what a surprise that is, right? Somehow, some way. Okay, let's get to one more Hey Horka question. It comes from Han92. Where has the deep ball been for the Notre Dame offense? Uh, it, it, 
it's crazy. I spent all off season watching all those Sam Hartman games. And like the only thing I can remember, and if you're not aware, go to blueandgold.com or just like Google search Sam Hartman versus whatever team and an on three link will probably show up uh, from my rewatches. I did 12 of them from all the games that he played last year. And it's like the only things that I can remember from those games were Sam Hartman deep to A.T. Perry, Sam Hartman deep, Donovan Green, uh, all of these guys that he got involved in the deep ball. Have we seen like a true deep ball from Sam Hartman yet this year, Darren? Can you think in the Navy game and the Tennessee State game? Jaden Greathouse scored on a seam route that ends up being a 35-yard. <coughs> Excuse me. I mean, I need that Jameson like, like we were talking earlier in the show. Um, but like – have you seen a, especially to the sideline, to the perimeter, a deep ball from Sam Hartman where you're like, yep, that's what he did at Wake Forest? Nothing comes to mind off the top of my head, but sitting in the press box at Notre Dame Stadium on Saturday, why would you even need to throw a deep ball? There were big gaps in short and medium routes for Hartman to throw to. So I, I get what Han 92 is saying, but they haven't really needed to do that at this point. Let me follow that up by saying this, talking to people around me, there were several occasions where Tobias Merriweather was on the wide side of the field. So it would have been a long throw for Hartman from the far hash, but he was one-on-one with the corner and the safety was more toward the middle of the field. So if they wanted to take a shot, I, I thought there were two or three opportunities but the plays were designed to go to the other side of the field, so we never looked that way. I think, Tyler, this is just a situation where they haven't needed to go that route because there were so many openings in these two defenses. I mean, Navy played way off. It was pitch and catch. So I think we should all just be patient. Once you get that running game going against a quality opponent, the shots are going to be taken down the field. That's exactly what my answer to this would be is – I think it's situational. Um, I, the way I answered this at blueandgold.com on the message board was, and, and Eric agrees with us on the on the chat there, they haven't needed it. And it hasn't really been set up for them either, where I think uh, it was a pick your poison type of thing for Tennessee State, for example. Uh, I'm doing a rewatch on the defense. I mentioned it earlier in this show, looking at the Aztec specifically, but I've seen some other things um, just in rewatching that game and like skipping through um, the offense stuff, skimming through that. A lot of too high safeties from Tennessee State. So in the pick your poison game, they said, okay, um, we trust our guys up front, which by the way, I thought Tennessee State's front seven actually got some pretty good push. And there wasn't a whole lot of selling out to stop the run because there were more too high safety sets. And I think they said, the one way that this game can get way out of control is if Sam Hartman starts throwing the ball over our head a bunch like this thing. And it eventually did get out of control 35 to three at halftime, but it was seven to three in the first quarter. And, and then maybe it's only 28 to three at halftime. If Sam Hartman doesn't do what he does there. We talked about that last drive a little bit earlier on, but I think Tennessee state was thinking this could be 21 to three in like five plays if Sam Hartman throws the ball over our head. So we're going to keep two safeties back. And they did. Notre Dame ends up running for seven or uh, 6.7 yards per carry because of it, because they didn't have that extra hat in the box to stop Audric Estime. And Audric Estime was just 
a beast in that game too. I want to know how many missed tackles he had. Seemed like the first guy never got him down. He was a load. Obviously, when you're playing an FCS opponent, you're going to expect Audrick Estime to do that. But I really think, especially against Tennessee State, and then going back to Navy as well, Notre Dame just didn't need the deep ball. I think you're going to see Notre Dame uh, with some of these teams that are a little more uh, a little more confident in their personnel, especially on the back end, that say, hey, we're going to do some different things with our safeties, with our corners, because we feel like we can. These are good athletes. They have good athletes, but we have good athletes too. I think you see some more single high safety stuff or maybe even some zero type of stuff. That's where Sam Hartman throws the ball on the field. When he recognizes man-on-man coverage outside and he says, I have a chance here, you're going to see the back shoulder stuff to Jaden Thomas. You might see Tobias Merriweather get an open look at a corner or a safety, whoever's covering him down the middle of the field, kind of like he did against Stanford. It's coming. And it's kind of ironic because it's coming against these better teams, but it happens against these better teams because – they're a little more sound in their base defense stuff or a little more exotic even with stuff that they can do. They're not just two high safeties. Sam Hartman, you're not going to beat us throwing the ball downfield. We'll, we'll pick our poison that way. Does Hartman have the arm? Absolutely. I mean, you broke down every one of his throws last year. Yeah, he's got – and I think people are kind of on his arm strength for some reason. Um, arm strength, I don't want to say it's overrated because you definitely need it, but like if you've got a guy that can make the throws, he's going to attempt the throws. If that makes sense. Sam Hartman is one of those guys where he's not, he doesn't have the biggest arm. He's not Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, um, who in college football right now has the biggest. I don't even think you would say like Caleb Williams has the biggest arm or Bo Nix or, you know, guys like that who are putting up all of these numbers. Uh, DJU had himself a game in his first game at Oregon state. I don't, think correct me if I'm wrong you guys might have watched more film on all these guys when they were coming up but I don't think these guys have outrageous arms Harm strength Hartman's arm strength is good enough like even if it's not elite he can make a 40 yard pass in the air with air under it that's that's the key to me that's the difference is not just like how hard or how far you can throw the ball but can you throw it far enough with really good touch I saw Hartman do it plenty of times at Wake Forest to know that he can. Like the deep ball isn't always just, hey, Tobias Merriweather's running free downfield and he's going to be 50 yards away by the time that you can get it there. Can you throw it 50 yards when you need to? It's, hey, Jaden Thomas has his man beat and he's 30 yards downfield. Can you put it in his arms to where he can keep running? And all of a sudden that's a 70 yard touchdown. Like, and here's the last point on all this. I mean, and this wasn't volume only. Sam Hartman led the entire FBS in air yards last year, according to Sports Info Solutions. Like, does does Sam Hartman have the arm? Absolutely, he has the arm. He threw it more downfield for completions than any other quarterback in college football last year. Thanks to James, he has a perfect example of arm strength. Tennessee's Joe Milton. Can yeah, that's arm strength. Arm. That's arm strength. But in the NFL, but, but like let's let's watch him. Like Sam Hartman could have a better season than Joe Milton this year, and a lot of other guys with weaker arms could have a, a better season than Joe Milton. Now, does it help? Like there might be one or two plays a season where Joe Milton just throws the ball as far as he can down the field, 
65 yards in the air. It goes crazy on Twitter. We're talking about it on social media. But that might be the only time that happens. And, like, that's the only time he needs it. I guarantee you the rest of the time it's, hey, can you hit Tobias Merriweather when he's exactly 37 yards downfield and the ball needs to be thrown at this angle? That's arm strength. That's touch. Sam Hartman has plenty of that. Well, I'm sure not comparing, but you look at the history of the NFL, guys like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady weren't throwing the ball harder than – I mean, they didn't throw the ball that hard, but they were accurate. Yeah. They threw on time. Give me a quarterback who can read a defense, who can anticipate, and can deliver the ball on the money, and, man, I'll ride those guys all day. You can have the hard throwers. I want the smart guys with good touch and anticipation. Harvin's got great anticipation. In fact, that throw to Tyree, perfect timing. You're throwing it to the outside. He threw the ball at the right time, gave Tyree the chance to catch it, turn up field, dive into the end zone. If he throws the ball early or late, not sure that would have been a touchdown. He threw that ball at the perfect time and right in a position for Tyree to make the catch and then get yak after the catch. And it was in between levels of the defense, right? It was over the top of maybe some linebackers or safeties, whoever was kind of underneath there. And then you had the corner uh, in the end zone behind Tyree. If it's overthrown, corner gets to it. If it's underthrown, um, I think Tyree had enough space to where that wouldn't have mattered. But accuracy, arm strength, pinpoint, I totally agree, Darren. We got to enjoy this guy. He's not going to be here long. Don't get caught up in, hey, this team can win a title or the playoff, the Ohio State game. We got to enjoy this guy every week because he's a special, special player for sure. And now we get to see him go on the road to a place that he knows very well down in Raleigh. The Irish take on North Carolina State, and that game will be Saturday at noon Eastern time. If you're in the South Bend area, we'll have the game right here on 960 AM WSBT. And if you want more from Tyler Horka, Tyler's going to be on my radio show tonight at about 5.30 Eastern time on 960 AM. You can listen to us live at WSBTradio.com and our free WSBT radio app. And we'll be together again on Saturday, early start, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. pregame show in the same location. So it'll be kind of breakfast at Wimbledon as we talk Notre Dame football early on Saturday. Looking forward to it. This is going to be a fun game. And for me, one of my unanswered questions I think will start to be unraveled is how good is this defensive line against better talent? And can they get pressure on the quarterback without blitzing? I'll start to get a little indication on that from this game. Yeah, appreciate Drew saying great show. I think it was too. We talked about the defensive line. Darren a little bit earlier, so I think it's a good point to bring them up again because I will be watching that as well against the quarterback of Brennan, Cal uh, Brennan Armstrong's caliber. And then we spent a whole lot of this show talking about Sam Hartman as well. So the one thing I want to leave people with is he's played these guys three times. He's one and two. He has six touchdowns and six interceptions in those three games. So just the way that the vibe is with Sam Hartman right now, I think this guy wants to go out and have the best game that he's ever had against NC state. Like those are the, the vibes that I'm getting from just this Notre Dame team. Uh, and, and then the element that Sam Hartman adds on top of it, like I, I predicted Notre Dame and I, I know we do score predictions later in the week, but I, I predicted Notre Dame to win this game by double digits. I won't say how many 
that is, I might by Friday up it because I think this game, this Notre Dame team comes out with uh, with a with wanting to show the world that it can beat these Power Five teams, kind of the way that they've been beating these inferior teams in Navy and Tennessee State. Well, I have not fully put together my final prediction, but I can tell you this. I think they will score over 30 points in this game, and I'm with you. I believe Notre Dame in the Las Vegas world will cover the spread and will win by double digits in this ball game. I, I just feel like running the football, Notre Dame's going to have some success. UConn had 26 carries for 160 yards and two touchdowns. And Brennan Armstrong wasn't having a Sam Hartman type day where they could just, oh my gosh, we just have to worry about the pass. They didn't stop the run very well, North Carolina State. So I'm I'm just thinking that defense is there for the taking a little bit. I know their corners are back from last year and their corners have interceptions against Hartman in the past, but I just think the offense for Notre Dame is on a roll. And I think... I think Notre Dame puts up over 30 and wins by double digits. All right. We're in the same boat. Well, that's going to do it. Good to talk to you on this Labor Day. We'll rest our voice for a little bit, and I'll talk to you at 530 tonight on WSBT Radio. Yeah, cheers. Absolutely. And thanks to all the loyal Notre Dame fans joining us on this Labor Day. We will be back next Monday at 3 o'clock Eastern time to recap a Notre Dame victory over NC State, we hope. And we'll be talking about a 3-0 Irish team taking on a kind of a poor MAC team in Central Michigan. But look forward to that. Tyler, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you next week. All right. See you, everybody. For Tyler Horka, I'm Darren Pritchett. Thanks for joining us for Hey Horka on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. We'll talk to you next week.